Let's open our Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Or if you are our president or Scottish, it's 2 Corinthians. Okay? 2 Corinthians. Hmm? I don't think he knew that that's the way that the Scottish people say it. I mean, if, if you're in a, in a Scottish Presbyterian church, they'll say, turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. As we know, there is a, a not existent in our hand, Third uh, Corinthians, uh, which is the really, uh, what does Paul say, the, the severe letter that he writes to them to correct them. And he refers to it, but we don't have it in our, in our hand. Uh, so it, is, it may not be in existence anymore. It might be buried in, under, uh, in some cave somewhere. But he writes some very hard things to them in a sense, to get their attention and to get them back on track. Now, if you remember from 1 Corinthians, pretty much it is a question and answer uh, letter. They have asked him questions about certain spiritual things because this is a very new church in a very pagan area, and he writes these answers back to them on how to deal with certain things. And then we come to 2 Corinthians, and, and as you'll see, this, uh, this particular portion is a little bit different than 1 uh, because it's not a question and answer, it's more of a, uh, an elaboration on God's grace, on suffering, and on the comfort that he brings. So if you're able, would you stand with me? And I will read from the Word of God. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us and enliven us, Open our eyes, open our hearts and our minds to what your word says, that it would not simply be uh, words on a page, but it would be alive and, and, and live within us, Lord, that we may take these things and know comfort from them and know your calling in our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. In fact, let's read the, I'll read the first two verses as well, just as the introduction. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Acacia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Classic opening of Paul. He gives them their, his uh, apostolic credentials. It's by the will of Christ. Timothy's along. He says, grace and peace to you. And now for our particular passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation." Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also are you sharers of our comfort. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. If there was any question before you read the page, uh, comfort is a big theme here, 
Okay, and I think Paul uses it ten times in some form in those four verses there. So he really wants their, them to understand uh, that there is comfort for them in their affliction because they're going to be afflicted. I mean, the New Testament teaches very clearly that if you're going to live for the things of Christ and if you're going to follow Christ, you will be afflicted for those things. Now, that is distinctive from if you are being uh, disobedient, if you're being plain out stupid and are suffering for those things, mm, to some degree you get what you deserve. But if you're going to live for Christ and if you're going to suffer because of living out faithfully the things of Christ, that is to be expected, but you will receive an enormous amount of comfort in the midst of those things. And Paul talks about this, as we'll see, that, that his sufferings are for their comfort. Because once he learns how to be cared for by the Lord in the midst of his own sufferings, he can therefore care for others in the same way. So affliction here uh, that, he, that he talks about, and, and they're being persecuted for, for various things. Remember, this is a new church, very pagan area still, and uh, a lot of these people have come right out of paganism. I mean, one week they're up at the, uh, the temple of Aphrodite worshiping, and the next week they're down in church with the rest of the believers. They don't have much knowledge. Uh, they're still in this world uh, that, that is so very... Uh, foreign to the things of Christ, but, but the, gospel, the light of the gospel is being shown here in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So the word affliction here in, in the Greek that he uses is, uh, has a meaning to press, to press. That's the Greek meaning. So the idea is that the circumstances are pressing upon you in an effort to crush you. And if you go back far enough into English law, there was a time when if you refused to plead, you know, if, if, if they said, uh, you know, the system of law was a little bit different there. If you refused to plead guilty, then you were going to be pressed. And what they meant by that is that you would be strapped down to a table and weights would be placed upon your chest. And they would press upon you to, until the point either you would confess and plead or you would die. Not a good potential either way, right? Okay, But that's the idea that we get here, and figuratively now, the idea is that we are being pressed by the afflictions upon us because of the way that we are living for the things of Christ. So when we think about afflictions, we think about them as things that are expected in the Christian life. We think about things, we think of them as in a way that, that God has judged us worthy to experience them. Now, there are probably times in our lives we wish we weren't quite so worthy uh, to be able to experience those things, um, but it's not uh, any merit that we have all, you know, uh, that, that we have in and of, our, of ourselves. It's simply that by his grace, he has brought us to Christ, and, and the world is pressing upon us in our afflictions because we are attempting to live out the things of Christ. And once you have the things of Christ within you, you can handle those afflictions. Uh, years ago in, in Youth for Christ, I was, I was, when I was working with teenagers, I, I made this illustration. If you had two Coke cans here, one was not opened and one was empty, uh, especially today, the new cans, you could take the can that was empty and just crush it like that so easily. And then here's the one that has something within it that is not open, and you, you try to crush it, it is very, very hard. I, I can't do it. Well, that's the, the Christian. 
The one without Christ within them will be crushed by the afflictions of the world. Well, here the Christian has something within them that is greater than what the world brings. Even the afflictions that come upon them will not crush the Christian, will not crush the Christian. So we are being pressed upon by the sinful world around us. Should be no surprise. Scripture says if they hated Christ, they're going to hate us. It's just the fact of life. And Paul speaks about afflictions here, and he doesn't tell us exactly what they, what they were that he went through. Now, we can read in Philippians and other places about all the things, the beatings, the stonings, the shipwrecks, all, all those things that Paul went through. Probably here, he's dealing with a group that, that is affectionately known as the Judaizers. They followed him around, and after he would hit a town, they would come in and say how bad Paul was, and he doesn't really represent the things that are true, and then they would question Paul's character and uh, all, all the, of these types of things. And if you can remember in Ephesus, I think it's laid out for us in Acts 19-ish, uh, there was actually such a riot that they filled the stadium in Ephesus, calling for Paul's head. Now, for those of you who have been to Ephesus, you know that stadium holds about 25,000 people. And, and you get 25,000 people all calling for your head. Most of us, you know, we're going to hit the first bus out of town. Well, Paul says, no, I've got to go in and talk to them. I've got to reason with them. And, and the other believers in town are holding Paul back. I'm, you know, I'm giving you my vision. of He's holding Paul back saying, no, you can't go in there. You can't go in there. They'll kill you. He says, no, I've got to go in and tell them the truth. Because Ephesus was a big central area for pagan worship, idol worship, the god, Artem, the god Artemis or Diana. Um, all, was a, the statues were made there. And uh, Paul says, I've been afflicted. I know what it's like to have people trying to kill me. I know what it's like to have to get out of town real fast. He said, but I've been judged worthy to know these afflictions, and I have been comforted in the midst of them. And the purpose of the, the fact that I have known them and been comforted is so that I can come to you, Corinthians, and comfort you in the same fashion. Let's look at a couple other places. Turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is a great example of this. You know, it begins with this great image of a deer panting after water and, um, you know, just, just as if its, it's very life depends upon it and it desires it. And that's what uh, our soul is to do for the Lord. It should thirst after the Lord and, and pant after the Lord and desire these things, uh, especially when we are in affliction. So we go to verse 5 of Psalm 42. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. For the help of his presence. So it simply means here, the, the psalmist is writing, that when he took his eyes off of the Lord, when he forgot about what the Lord was doing in his life and began to focus more upon poor me and, and look what's happening to me and look how unfair life is being to me, then he began to really become drawn inward and begin to question the Lord and doubt the Lord. He says, oh. But when he puts his eyes back on the Lord and stops listening to the own voices in his head, 
he begins to remember the faithfulness of the Lord. He begins to remember that the Lord has made promises to those who are his, that he will never leave them or forsake them, that he will sustain them. And and not only is it, um, uh, look at the second half of verse verse 5, hope in God for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence, for the help of his presence. And, and really, if you, you read throughout the psalm, you get the idea that it's not just his attitude is different, but his whole countenance becomes different. Now, if you've ever been burdened for a long time with something or, or suffering under something for a while, your body begins to show signs of it, whether it may manifest in, in some, uh, everything from a rash to aches and pains to a stoopedness. Because it feels like the weight of the world rests upon your shoulders. And if you've ever been, I don't know how else to put this, uh, if, if, ever it's been, if ever a burden like that has been taken from you and you can remember that particular moment, it's almost like somebody took a backpack off your back and now suddenly you can stand up straight. The burden has been removed, and, and I can remember specific times in my life where I, I felt like I was being crushed, and, and, and then in, after times of prayer and, 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 and worship, it seems like I can stand up straight. That's the way the Lord works. That's what he's calling here. Re, don't focus your attention upon those things. Focus the pen, attention upon the Lord and how he cares for you in the midst of that. Not only will he help your situation, you hope your very countenance, and it will reflect in how you live. So back to 2 Corinthians. He begins in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father of all mercies, of all comfort. Now, the word here in, in Greek that deals with comfort means to call someone to be by your side. That's, that's how it's constructed. It means to, uh, to be with and to call. So to call someone to come and be with you, um, to come alongside of you and to aid you. It, it's, it's almost as if uh, you see someone who is limping, someone comes alongside, they put their arm around them, and they are aided in that way. Comfort in the English language comes from the, the Latin words, with and strong. So when we are comforted, we are made strong. When we are comforted, we are made strong. It is an, an activity designed to bring courage. Um, you are encouraged when you are comforted. You are made stronger when someone comes alongside of you and cares for you and comforts you. Just before Jesus uh, leaves this earth, uh, he told his followers and gathered his closest uh, followers together and said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to leave you with a comforter, someone who will sustain you. Uh, just because I go doesn't mean you're going to be on your own. Someone is going to come, and that's the Holy Spirit, and going to be going to care for you and strengthen you. Um, you know, Paul says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, all things, all things that he lays before me, all things that he calls me to do. How can I do that? Because the Holy Spirit indwells within me. Because the Holy Spirit comes and comforts me, empowers me, and enables me to do these things that the Lord lays out for us. So in Corinthians here, Paul's expressing thankfulness. He says, blessed be the God of all 
comfort. And, and throughout the book, he lists mm, four or five or six um, places and times in his life when he has been comforted. Okay? Chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 11, chapter 12. He, he talks about times he was in great peril, times he was in trouble, and the Lord came and cared for him. So all throughout this book, Paul is in his heart feeling the aches of the trials that have afflicted him, and he doesn't hold back. I mean, Paul, Paul just kind of lays it all out for these people to hear, and he, he doesn't do it so he, that he can get sympathy. Look how I have suffered for you. Look what I have put up with. Uh, don't you, couldn't you all get it together? I mean, look what I've done. He doesn't say that. He lists the struggles that he has been through so that they may understand, in a sense, the badge of his apostleship. Okay? This is what it takes to be an apostle. This is what I have done. This is confirmation of the a calling upon my life and my dedication to the Lord. And I have suffered these things, not so I can lord it over you, but so that I can come back and care for you, so that I can come back and comfort you. So let's look at the purpose of this comfort. Verse 4. Who comforts us all in our affliction so that, so here's the purpose, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. With what? With the comfort which we ourselves comforted. So Paul can come and care for the Corinthians because he has been cared for. Isn't this, um, you know, the, the story of the guy who, who uh, picks up a stray dog with a broken leg and, and, and fixes the leg and cares for him? The dog lives in his house and, and the dog recovers and one day the dog runs away. And he goes, what kind of grateful dog is that? And then the next day he hears a scratching at the door and there's the dog with one of his buddies with a broken leg. Right? That's, that's what Paul is saying. I've experienced this. Let me come and care for you in the same way so that you can find the same type of comfort. Uh, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction. We've been comforted by God. We're going to comfort you. It's a promise. I'm not going to leave you on your own. The God of all comfort, the Father of those mercies which are most tender for us and most needed, uh, he brains down upon us. This is the Lord who cares for us in this fashion. Uh, the Lord who never leaves us. The Lord who never forsakes us. He takes up residence within us. He gives us an unlimited store uh, of resources upon which we can draw in our times of affliction and times when we really need it. He is our comfort. He'll comfort us in every affliction that we face. So Paul is not just speaking, I hate to say it this way, he's not just speaking out of revelation as if that wasn't enough. Okay, he's not speaking, how about this way? He's not speaking theoretically. He's not teaching in an academic or an intellectual sense that this is what the Lord does. He said, this is what the Lord has said he will do. Here is how it has happened in my life. So it is real. I, I can confirm that the Lord will act this way. It's not just theoretical. It is practical in the way that the Lord does it. But as we've seen, the comfort, being comforted, is not an end in itself. It's, it's, not, it's not as if we can just go and go, yeah, the Lord's really cared for me and I'm just, I'm just you know, a pig in slop here. I'm just happy, okay? It's great. That's not enough, okay? That's not why he comforts us. 
He comforts us, not as an end to itself, but so that we can pass it on. So that we can go and comfort others in the same way. If I have suffered, it's so that God could comfort me, so that I could comfort you. He's given it to me, so I could pass it on to somebody else. Um, He's the God of all comfort. Everything else, every other type of comfort in the world is a temporary comfort. The lazy boy chair is a temporary comfort. The piece of chocolate is just temporary comfort. You know, even a friend coming along and, and, and caring for us is a temporary comfort. It may last a very long time. But we're talking about a comfort that is eternal in its essence. A comfort that begins in this world because it comes through the grace of our Heavenly Father and comes through believers to others. And that comfort begins here and finds its fulfillment when we stand before the Lord. That is the type of comfort that he is talking about. God, he says, has comforted me in every affliction that I've experienced so that I can pass it on. So that I can pass it on. Um, I suffered, basically Paul is saying this, I suffered what I need to suffer so I could care for you in your suffering. Now, Now think about that in our own lives. Is that really the way we look at suffering? Is that really the way we look at our affliction? That I'm in the midst of this so that I can extend it to somebody else? We don't usually think about that. Okay, here we are, you know, you're at the bottom, and and life is pressing upon you, and you're being afflicted, and and, and you're you're just waiting for the comfort. Hardly anybody goes, man, I just can't wait to apply this in somebody else's life. You know, here I am, I'm being crushed, and and, man, I'm just going to go out and look for somebody else who's being crushed, that I can care for them. Usually, we, we just want to get through it. I mean, we, we don't, we're asking hard questions of the Lord, we're wondering why this is going on. But at the end, it's so that we can care for others. Let's look over at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. Remember, there's a distinction between being afflicted for the things of Christ and the things of being afflicted because of our own sin or own stupidity or something like that. Peter will lay this out for us. Uh, 1 Peter 4, verse 12. It says, Beloved, don't be surprised. Okay? Expect it. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. If you're going to live for Christ, you're going to go through an ordeal. You're going to face these types of things. But, here's the great part, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice in the exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler, Troublesome meddler, busybody. So you go all the way from murderer to busybody. Okay? So that, that's your sin or your stupidity or something like that. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed, but in that name let him glorify God. 
you've been reviled for the name of Christ, it's going to hurt. But rejoice. You should expect it. It's not out of the ordinary. This is just what happens to the believer. But you have been infused by the Holy Spirit with a strength that enables you to sustain that. Not only to sustain that affliction, but to glorify God in that affliction. And then afterwards, to glorify God in your care for others in their affliction as well. It says, you know, don't suffer as a murderer or anything like that. Remember Peter. There he is. He denies Christ three times. His comfort came once he repented. His comfort didn't come in the midst of his sin. It came when he repented. So we've got a couple things going on here. We've got one, suffering for the things of Christ. And also, if you're suffering, perhaps you need to repent. There's something in your life that you need to move away from, but you're, you're too tied from it. and You can't see clearly that that is causing you to sin. All right, back to 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians. Here's, here's the, the big the wrap-up here in the last two verses, 6 and 7. We've already talked about it, but this is, this is where he really highlights it. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation, not only comfort, but that the things of Christ might be proclaimed to them and that they might believe it as well. I mean, it, it's not as if Paul could just get in the car and drive to these cities. He had to get in a boat. Every time he got in a boat, he risked his life. Or, or you know, if he travels for days and days and days on, on end on land, there are robbers and thieves ready to, ready to come and get him. I mean, we know we, he was shipwrecked before. Uh, so... If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Or if we're comforted, it is for your comfort as well. Okay? We're afflicted, we're comforted, it is for you. Which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are shares of our sufferings, so also are you shares of our comfort. This, this takes a little bit um, for the, each individual to get kind of beyond themselves. For each believer to say, why are, am I going through this? Is it my stupidity? Is it for the things of Christ? Is it simply a result of the rest of a sinful world? And, while, and what's the reason why I'm doing this? What is the reason I'm experiencing this? Why am I experiencing trial or affliction or suffering? The Lord is going to show me because at the end of this, I'm going to be able to care for somebody else. And you say, oh, well, that's, that's great, Rand. Have you ever seen that happen? I'll just give you one example. Just one. There are plenty of examples I could give you from this congregation. Was years ago, a man walked in this congregation, had never been here before, and I just happened to be there at the front door, and I, I you know, Shook his hand, and I talked to him, and, and uh, he, he obviously was, was downcast. And he shared a little bit of his life and the struggles that he was having with his children. And, and they were serious struggles. This wasn't like, well, he just won't take the trash out when I tell him to. These were serious struggles that had been going on for years. And at the end of the service, down there when we go for donuts, he was down there with a couple who had experienced the same exact things 
with their children. And, and I was just shocked that how is this possible? And, you know, that he, out of all the people in the congregation, could end up with this couple who understood exactly what he was suffering with. And how is it that this couple could have spent all these years of their life wrestling with these things, perhaps maybe for this particular moment? Or maybe this was one of many moments that because of what they had been afflicted with, how they had grown and understood the things of Christ, were able to minister to this guy. Never saw the guy again, uh, never think, uh, uh, ever see him this side of heaven. But that's the way that it works. You think, Lord, I mean, uh, all these things, and we can become focused upon the things we've struggled with, and and we still might be struggling with them. What are we learning? Are we experiencing God's comfort? Are we understanding his care for us? Because we need to, because somebody is going to come to us, in the very simplest terms, after church, while we're eating a donut, and they're going to look at us in the face and say, have you ever experienced this? And you're going to go, for the last 20 years, I've been dealing with that. Well, how have you worked it? And there's your chance. The Lord has comforted you. Now you can comfort. That's what Paul is saying here. Are you afflicted? You're going to experience the comfort of the Lord. Why? Because somebody's going to come to you, and you're going to comfort them as well. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, this is, uh, uh, we don't like affliction. We, do, we don't like uh, struggles and things like that, but yet your promises are clear. You will comfort us in the midst of those. And like Paul said, you comfort us so that we can comfort others. You minister to us and teach us in the midst of those struggles, in the midst of those afflictions, so that when someone comes to us and says, hey, have you ever experienced this? In your providence, you have put them right in front of us so that we can tell them the truth, that you are faithful. We can demonstrate how you have been faithful in our lives, both by our experience and through the revelation of your word that is before us. Heavenly Father, fix these things in our hearts so that we might pursue your comfort, that we might know it and live it even in the midst of our most dire affliction before, because we know you don't leave us. We know you don't leave us on our own. You care for us, watch over us, and sustain us. And these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.